The Rocky Mountains are an incredible natural wonder that both Canadians and Americans get to enjoy. In Alberta and British Columbia, it's a point of pride that we are so close to them. Calgarians here in Alberta often brag that it's a mere 45-minute drive west before you're in Canmore on the doorstep of Banff National Park amidst these enormous rocky colossi. The Rockies stretch 4,800 kilometers from northeastern BC into Alberta and down across the U.S.-Canada border through Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, a tiny bit through Utah, New Mexico, and Colorado. And the capital of Colorado is the mile-high city of Denver. Established in 1858 as Denver City of the Kansas Territory, it was so named to curry favor with Kansas Territorial Governor James Denver. General William Larimer was hoping that Governor Denver would choose Denver City as one of the county seats of the territory. But what Larimer didn't know at the time is that he was too late in naming it, as James Denver had resigned. In slightly more modern times, one of Denver's claims to fame is that it invented outdoor Christmas lighting in the early 1900s, when shopkeepers along the city's 16th Street Mall replaced streetlights with red and green bulbs. In the 1970s, Denver made global news when it was selected as the site for the 1976 Olympics, but in 1972, Denverites voted against allocating public dollars for the games given the high cost of hosting such an event. In the present, Denver is the 18th largest metro area in the United States. Its economy is pretty diverse, focused on things like tourism and high-tech industries, and it's also home to some of the largest corporations in the U.S., including the Molson Coors Brewing Company and MapQuest. Join me as we visit our fellow Rocky Mountain admirers a mile above sea level on Canadians Away. Welcome to Canadians Away. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Oftentimes, the Canadians we interview leave Canada because they're looking for an adventure. Some find work abroad that's more appealing than the opportunities at home. For our guest today, it was actually a little of both. So my name's Matthew Ricks. I'm originally from uh, Edson, Alberta, but the last place I lived in Canada was Calgary, Alberta. And I currently live in Denver, Colorado. And what was it that brought you to Denver from the picturesque uh, Canadian cities of Edson and Calgary? <laughs> Actually, Calgary is pretty similar to Denver in the uh, picturesqueness. The mountains are pretty close on the one side there. Um, the reason I moved was actually a transfer with work. So at my old job at uh, Longview in Calgary, uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, forward uh, movement. There was a lot of people ahead of me with MBAs and things like that, and they were kind of settled in. But if I moved to the States, uh, that would have been somewhere where I could have advanced my career. And then it also just seemed like kind of a neat adventure. The States is kind of dominant in every media form, and they're the center of everything. And it seemed like a neat way to kind of see it firsthand instead of just you know being bombarded by the news of what's going on down there. 
it, do, it doesn't sound like it was a terribly difficult decision then for you to leave Calgary. Uh, no, you know, Calgary was a really expensive city. I was I left when I was 28 and uh, oil and gas was uh, doing really well. So housing was really expensive and I was working in IT and, you know, the higher paying jobs were really in oil and gas. So it was kind of a difficult place to live. And uh, um, Denver just seemed a little bit more reasonable. The mountains were still there and uh, it just was a good time in my life to make a move. Plus, you know, earning American dollars as opposed to Canadian dollars. I've <laughs> got to increase your buying power a little bit. You know, I actually timed it really well. Um, I went down there when the dollar was uh, 110 Canadian dollars to $1 American, and then it's really reversed. So uh, that worked out well for me. So when you come back to Canada to visit, you just make it rain, don't you? <laughs> a little bit, although I do find Canada to be more expensive on the little things, like uh, shoes and all of that, even with the Canadian dollar uh, difference. Like I was, I was buying some jeans at Levi's the other day in uh, Ontario, and they had a deal where it was like $69 for the jeans. And in the States, they're like 40 or 35 So even like the difference in dollars doesn't always make up for the difference in uh, the actual price of goods. Yeah. What about uh, things like food costs, whether you're at a grocery store or restaurants? I mean, we're always talking in Alberta about how food is comparatively comparatively expensive, even compared to the rest of Canada. Yeah, I, I've definitely noticed that uh, food is cheaper in the States. Uh, there's some items are comparable, but some are always a little bit cheaper. Things like cheese, for some reason, are are much cheaper. And then alcohol, obviously, is is much much cheaper in the states uh and and colorado correct me if i'm wrong was also one of the first states even before canada to legalize cannabis yeah. what have you observed about that in in colorado like is it a big deal there um you know colorado was actually the first state to legalize uh, marijuana and it was a really interesting how it all went down because the states can kind of get so uh, locked up in debates over change, like gun control and stuff like that, where nothing happens. But for the actual legalization of uh, marijuana, it was on this ballot for, you know, provisions to codes to the city. And it was just one of the things on the ballot. We didn't hear anything about it until about a month before. And then there were these commercials on the news saying, um, you know, we all know where the money for marijuana goes. Um, and they had this big picture of the Mexican flag and, uh, you know, let's just keep that money in our state instead of making it illegal. And there was a really minor campaign, but really focused. And then all of a sudden it was legal and they got to work on figuring out how to, um, you know, put in the, the laws to catch people that were driving under the influence and things like that. And like three months later, it was, uh, you know, something that was just commonplace. And, and it did not really change much in the city. Although for the first two years, there were all of these tourists that came in and there's still some, there's a big festival on 420 where, uh, you know, a Wu-Tang and Wycliffe and all kinds of bands come in and you get all kinds of marijuana tourists and tie-dye and stuff like that. But if you're living in the city, you kind of forget that that's a thing. You just kind of notice that there's, you know, 
people in tie-dye in your neighborhood all of a sudden. That's interesting because like with the legalization in Canada, I, I definitely notice people smoking pot outside more often, but not tie-dye, like the, the sort of cannabis culture of uh, the 60s hasn't really accompanied it, but it sounds like it's a little bit more maybe exaggerated down there. Is that fair to say? Um, I mean, not for the people that live here, but I think being the first, there was kind of this gold rush where everyone rushed to the state and the people that rushed in, um, some to visit and some I think actually stayed, they were kind of cartoon caricatures of real people. Um, so that was, that was interesting. It definitely brought in a lot of money though. Um, and it caused some interesting situations in that it's not federally legal. So technically, even though it's legal in the state, none of the marijuana businesses can do uh, any kind of business with federal banks. So they have to keep all this money on site instead of being able to have uh, you know banks to deposit it into. So they have to have security guards and things like that. But you know, for a while, especially the first two years, we collected more taxes than our constitution allowed us to. So for about a year, they were debating on eliminating income tax in the state because um, they really couldn't collect any more. Weird. That's interesting. The differences. Uh, I, I just you know I'm not super into that culture, but uh, but it's interesting to see the different impacts in the different countries. What are some of those other differences, whether they're big or small? Like when you arrived in the United States, were you like, oh, my gosh, they don't do this in Canada kind of thing? Uh, um, yeah, there's a lot of little things. In a lot of ways, it's a very similar. So I've, I've lived abroad in uh, South America. And in South America, I always stuck out as this much different person that I get invited to, like, baptisms and weddings and stuff just because I was so different looking um, that I was this weird guest of honor. And in the States, you kind of blend in. Um, I think there's a few words that Canadians say that really stick out. And I don't know if we notice them as much on the Canadian side. You know, it'd be something like an American saying y'all. So if we say uh, something like uh, process down here, it just stops the room and everyone stares at you and gets you to repeat it. So, you know, working in a business environment, I had to avoid some of those words. Um, like like they would say process? They would say process. Oh. And for me, at least uh, living in Calgary, if someone would say process or process, I wouldn't really notice the difference. It was like a schedule, schedule thing, just a individual thing. But for them, it was, it was a, a very weird thing to say. Do you, do you think that a, a, a childhood or, or, you know, growing up in Canada, watching a lot of American television immunized you from those different pronunciations? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good observation. That might be true. Um, that could explain it because I definitely don't notice as many words, except if you go into the southern states where they really stand out and identify someone the same way. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. What about, um, I mean, we can't have a, a conversation about being a Canadian in the United States without talking about the politics. Uh, they, they loom large here in Canada. I'm a big reader of the New York Times and the Washington Post, but this conversation about the presidency in the US, is it something that you experience with, with your colleagues and friends in Denver? 
Um, so it's definitely, it dominates the news here as well. And the international news here is uh, definitely not as, uh, as good. So you don't have an idea as much as what's going on in the rest of the world. But I think, uh, you know, especially with the uh, Trump administration coming in, there was so much news and so much attention that for the most part, I think people have kind of checked out. It's been very divisive as well. So um, for the most part, I think if you live in cities like Denver, it's a pretty left-leaning city and it's pretty safe to assume everyone's not really in favor of, of the president. But um, no one really talks about it because it's such a, a charged issue that you know even if you really disagree with something it's probably not worth losing relationships so there's not a lot of conversation and i would say for the people that i know people have kind of stopped checking into the news as much because um, it's just kind of awful and not good for your life yeah it, it's uh, it's a bummer right yeah yeah what about uh, what about the view of uh, of your American friends and colleagues on Canada? Like, are we still the uh, the dorky baby brother to the United States in their eyes? Yeah, a little bit. So, you know, moving down to the states, uh, I figured I would be kind of exotic. Like, you know, if an Australian comes to Canada or something, you've got kind of a cool accent. But it's like you're so close that you're kind of an acceptable. Uh, not race, but culture to tease. So basically, I'll, I'll kind of get uh, three uh, uh, greetings if I reveal that I'm Canadian. And, and again, it goes to that weird thing where if I don't actually bring that out, no one will really know. But people will kind of try and relate to you. And I'm from Calgary, and people will say, you know, my family used to go to the Great Lakes in the summer, which you know is thousands of kilometers away. And, you know, I haven't really been there very often as a Canadian, so it's not something to relate to. But they'll, you know, they'll talk about saying A or the accent, which to me sounds a little bit more like a North Dakota accent is what they think it is. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Yeah, they kind of speak like uh, when they're talking about Canadians, like the uh, characters from Fargo. Interesting. So did they, was it clear to them, it was obviously clear to them that you weren't from there when you first moved on? Uh, not really. There was a couple tells, but I learned those pretty quickly. And then I've always got a choice to make if I reveal that I'm Canadian or not. But, you know, like you said, it's kind of like the, uh, the dorky, um, um, you know, neighbor a little bit. Um, and a lot of people really think that Canada is doing great stuff as well. But uh, you go from relating as just like a, a normal person in the neighborhood to someone that's from somewhere different and that changes the conversation so you kind of have to make that choice if you want to get into that conversation or just talk about the weather or whatever so you're not wandering around the streets of denver with with a maple leaf on your back or on your shirt or anything like that <laughs> no no i i did uh wear the uh the canadian hockey team's jersey when uh we were in the olympics there that was kind of a, a tense time and it's it's strange because no one really you know, is that into the hockey except for a very few people. So uh, I was the only one that really felt like it was tense. Everyone else was you know, waiting for football to start. That's a bit of a power move for sure. Like, uh, you know, just, uh, I mean, I appreciate you showing the pride, but uh, I would have been a little nervous about that if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Is there anything um, that you miss about being home? I mean, in a way, you're not terribly far away. Do you actually get back to Canada very often to visit? Yeah, I'll, I'll be up there a couple times a year. I've got uh, all my family still up in the uh, Edmonton, uh, Edson area. And then uh, I'm dating a woman in Ontario, um, which is complicated for uh, logistics. But um, it's probably two or three times a year. Um, obviously, I miss the people. Um, but sometimes Canada just seems like a place with a few less problems, which is kind of fun. Like people seem a little bit more on the same page. Um, and then at the same time, sometimes when I come back to the States, all the chaos is, is kind of fun too. <laughs> I've actually never heard anyone describe it in quite that way. That's interesting. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about the, this long distance relationship. Like I, I, we've all heard of them, but cross border, that's gotta be next level stuff. Yeah, it is, uh, definitely difficult. So I, I met this woman in, uh, my master's program, which I took in Victoria and uh, we've been seeing each other uh, shortly after that program ended. Um, and it's definitely difficult because at any point, like the TSA agents, when you cross the border, if you say the wrong words, they can potentially ban you from coming into the, the country, into the United States. So there's always that risk. But Canadians generally can get about a six-month uh, tourist visa. And then when that expires, they would have to kind of cross the border and come back. But if they're doing that too often, um, the TSA agent has the, the judgment call to say, okay, well, we think you're trying to move here, so you know you just can't come back. And even in my own kind of journey to come here, I transferred with work, I had to come on a visa. And if I ever said at the border that I was you know, working down there, but I intended to live there, um, that would be kind of a keyword and they would instantly trigger uh, you know, a, a message in their system where I'd be banned and my visa would be revoked. So it's always really tense um, crossing the borders, um, which obviously makes a relationship really tricky. Ah, uh, the things we do for love, right? <laughs> Indeed, yes. <laughs> um, so are you down there on a working visa? Is that the idea? No, at this point, I'm on a green card or permanent residency, which is nice because the working visa is tied to work. So if you are uh, fired, you've got 30 days to find a job with the exact same title. And um, if you just quit, then you're instantly deported or you have to leave. Um, so it makes it really tough if you're working at a company on a visa for you know five or six years and you don't like the company, you're kind of stuck. So if they don't give you raises or something like that, um, you just kind of have to deal with it. But on the green card, you're free to do everything that a citizen would except for really vote. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, is is Colorado, is the United States home now, or, or do you have plans eventually to move back home to Canada? Yeah, I go back and forth on that. Um, Colorado's pretty great. I generally kind of like to move to new places every five or six years, and this has been you know, going on 11 here. Um, it's got a lot of things going for it, um, but, you know, I'll wake up some days and think that, you know, maybe it's time to to move somewhere else and Canada's definitely on that list sometimes. You know, it's definitely tough to to move here, but I think it's a uh, it's interesting to live in the states just seeing it compared to I think what it's portrayed in, you know, media and movies and stuff like that. 
overall life's pretty normal. I think it's a little bit more extroverted. So at work and just in social situations, I'm always kind of prodded to be kind of bigger and um, take up more oxygen and stuff like that, which is uh, a difference in culture. Whereas I think Canada is a little bit more of a humble type culture. Um, but there's definitely a lot to see, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different food. So um, I think I spend a lot of time defending one culture against the, uh, the other, um, especially on things like healthcare. But for Canadians, I would say, you know, come to the States, there's a lot of neat things to see for sure. And consider moving there in spite of the fact that uh, there is President Trump is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it might be difficult in the next couple of years with uh, immigration reforms. But uh, yeah, consider moving here. Uh, if you're working in all that healthcare and and salaries tend to be actually a little bit higher, so that's nice. And you know, Denver's got probably three months of winter, and then you know the rest of the time is some form of summer. Um, so those are definitely perks. Plus the almighty American dollar, right? The almighty American dollar, yes, indeed. And that's the end of season two, episode four of Canadians Away. Thanks so much to Matthew Ricks for speaking with me today. Canadians Away is hosted by me, Adam Rosenhart, and produced by Julie Elford. If there are any other Canadians living or who have lived abroad that you think have a story to share, have them email us at info at canadiansaway.ca or send us an email yourself and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Canadians Away on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever pods are cast. And please leave us a favorable review. You can follow and like us on both Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Canadians Away. And you can also find us on Twitter at Canadians Pod. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll hear from another Canadian living abroad in a couple of weeks. Bye.